Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Good evening and welcome to The Sages Among Us. I'm Holly Grimaldi Flores and my guest tonight is Sandra Barrington, Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Foundation Executive Director. And I'm very excited because Sandra's actually in studio, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She's a certified fundraising executive with more than 20 years of nonprofit development experience. Sandra's been with Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Foundation since 2007. She was in diapers, apparently, and she's currently the executive director. Her specialties include major gifts, grant acquisition and management, plan giving, strategic planning, and fundraising events. She has a degree in English with a certificate in editing and publishing from California State University, Chico. Go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. There we go. And her community involvement include past board member and president of Sierra Harvest, member and president of Grass Valley Rotary, current trustee of the Nevada City School District. She's also a graduate of the Nevada County Leadership Institute and CNL's first executive director academy. She resides in Nevada City, has one daughter that you may or may not hear from during this half hour. She is in studio as well. She can be found on walks to town for ice cream and coffee at the lake, at the river, snowboarding, and spending time with her family. Sandra, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Holly. It's great to be in studio with you. I'm so excited. You're my first live guest. Oh, I'm so happy. And yay, COVID is waning. Mm. Or at least, you know, Mm. you know. But we are distanced. We are masked. We are doing all the right things. We have sanitized. (laughs) We have. We're doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. And speaking of doing all the right things, it sounds like that is the path you've been on for most of your life. So have you always had this uh, propensity for volunteerism and philanthropy? It is kind of built into um, how we were raised and how our family is. It's definitely been just part of, um, I guess, the culture of our family, which really started, um, I would say, probably in the church for us. My mom was always really involved. So I've had some pretty amazing female role models in my life, with my mother being one of them and also my aunt. And, you know, they were the ones who were always running the PTA fundraiser. They were on church council. You know, they were always doing all the things. And, um, you know, we we really saw them doing it, but they were also working full time and they were raising families and they were doing it all. So I was raised by superwomen, so essentially. Lead by example, very mm-hmm. true. Obviously, you're doing the same for your daughter. Mm-hmm. We have a um, weird flashing light going on in here. Um, we it's, don't, it's a little distracting. We but don't know what it is. So oh, I think it stopped. Ignore us. <laughs> so we're both <laughs> stumbling through our words going, well, I hope that doesn't like leave the building or anything like right. that. I'm guessing it's related to the phones. At any rate, um, moving right along. Yes. So would you say they are your role models? They were your role models? 100%. And it really just created this, um, a lot of core memories, which is one of the reasons why I brought my daughter with me today. And I take her pretty much everywhere I go because, um, you know, it's really important for for our children to see what we do and how we do it and why it's important. And to see, you know, um, my family growing up being so involved and being ingrained in things and doing the youth group and being involved in the service projects. You know, we would go to Mexico and build houses and we would serve 
you know, at the soup kitchens and um, being involved in those youth group things, um, it's just kind of ingrained into how we live our life. And there's a lot of fun in that work. There is. You know, as a kid, it was really fun because my friends were all the youth group friends. For me, it was social, too. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, where I think I love Rotary so much because that is it's social and it's fellowship. But we also we serve, too. Yeah, I think when I first moved to Nevada County, I always say I, I joined Seroptimus International of Grass Valley, not because I wanted to give back to the community, but because I needed some girlfriends. Right. And uh, the, the community service was very important, but yeah. for me, secondary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are. When you're playing and working together, it doesn't feel so hard. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because I did the same thing. I moved here in 2006. I didn't have any friends. I didn't grow up here. I grew up down down the hill, as we say. Um, so I didn't really know anybody here. And I was going to start a 2030 club. And my boss, Kimberly Parker, um, said, please don't do that. Please um, help us start this Rotaract Club, which is Rotary for 18 to 30-year-olds. And that's really how I met a lot of my really close friends now um, who are still in Rotary. But we always say in Rotary, um, the reasons we join Rotary and the reasons we stay and Rotary are two different things. There's the day you join Rotary, there's the day you become a Rotarian. And, you know, you join for maybe for business networking or you join because you want to, you know, meet people and be social, but you have these moments where you're like, okay, now I'm a Rotarian and I'm staying for the service. Right. And Mm -hmm. service being so important. So Mm -hmm. where did you grow up down the hill? Yeah, I grew up in like the Granite Bay Loomis area, but originally born in the Bay Area. Like most people, we are Bay Area refugees and moved up the hill and, um, you know, kind of grew up in a a rural part of um, Placer County. At the time, it was fairly rural, but now it's it's booming. And um, had an opportunity to move here uh, in 2006, and um, just really saw that as a big opportunity to come back to come back home a little bit mm-hmm. and live in the mountains, live close to Tahoe. Obviously, that's you know being on a chairlift in 45 minutes is yes. really nice. We like that. Yeah. And what what? How did you discover Nevada City, Grass Valley? I always knew about it growing up. Um, as a kid, being only an hour away, we would come up for Victorian Christmas, and we would come up to go to the river and, you know, pass it on the way to Tahoe. Um, right. So I always knew of the area. And at the time, there were several choices. Um, it was like Placer County, Lake County, or Nevada County. And Nevada County just really, there was hands down the top choice. Well, it is so nicely placed. You're correct. And mm-hmm. then the community itself and the schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to live here? I don't understand people who say it's too small when they get here. Yeah. But it did take a little while. I know people who say, but there's no Macy's. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, you know, there there are a lot of conveniences and there's a lot of things here if, if you make it, if you make it your own. Yes. I think if anything, and this is just my opinion, what we lack is diversity, but mm-hmm. you can't really force diversity. Right. 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 What you can do is um, is be inclusive. Right. And then find causes that that mm-hmm. uh, you can support in that way. Mm-hmm. So, and speaking of causes, yeah. what are, causes are important to you? Well, increasing access to healthcare is clearly one of my my main causes. Really? Yes, really, yeah. <laughs> so I've been at the Hospital Foundation for about 15 years, and originally it was just a nonprofit fundraising job because I knew I wanted to be a certified fundraising executive. And then the more I got to learn about the healthcare industry and the more I got to learn growing up um, kind of in it is, you know, people who lack access. And that is just terrible to me. And I saw it growing up because, you know, volunteering in, in the homeless shelters and, and building houses in different areas, you see a lot of poverty and you see a lot of different 
disenfranchised individuals. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to be born into a really amazing family who, you know, we struggled, but we also had a lot. And, um, you know, try and find ways to make that equitable and, and equalize things. And that's what I love about the Hospital Foundation and the work we do. And Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital is being able to, we're a nonprofit community hospital, so we serve anyone who walks through the doors. Right, mm -hmm. which um, I don't think everybody realizes is that it is a mandate that you do need mm -hmm. to serve whoever comes to you for exactly. help. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's an emergency department mandate, but it's also the right thing to do, and we're a mission-based hospital, and um, the hospital is a nonprofit hospital, so whatever we have to do to serve the people in our community, we do the best we can to bring the services in, and philanthropy plays a huge role in that. And um, when it comes to developing a stroke program, philanthropy started that. The cancer center was really started by a huge amount of philanthropy. Um, all, a lot of the breast cancer services, um, the cardiac rehab program is pretty much entirely funded by philanthropy um, with the, the equipment that's in it. So it does play a huge role in making sure the services are there for our community. Well, thank you, Sandra. And I am speaking with Sandra Barrington, who is the new executive director of the Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Foundation, which is a mouthful all in itself, and 15 years after walking in the door, mm -hmm. and your gift there was gift giving. Is mm -hmm. that correct? <laughs> How you got started? Yeah, well, I actually started... Um, I was a student caller at the Chico State Call Center, and that's how I got started in fundraising. I was that student that would call you on the phone and say, hey, please give money back to the university. You didn't and give enough when you're getting their degree. You have to give more back. I know. Right. I got those calls. Yeah, and I was that person that called you, and then I eventually ended up managing the call center. I was assistant manager and stayed in Chico for another year to do that. And then um, I originally went to school to, be, uh, to do editing and publishing and to be a magazine editor. And then I realized, well, I don't want to live in L.A. and I don't want to live in Chicago. I like to visit those places, but that's not really where I want to live my life. I'm, I'm a rural girl mm -hmm. and I like small towns. And um, but I like to visit the big ones. That's fun, too. Yes. And I love to <laughs> travel. Important. I important. love to travel, but I don't want to stay there very long. And um, my manager of the call center said, you know, you have all this fundraising experience. Why don't you look for fundraising jobs? And all of a sudden I had job offers. And I was going to interview in Santa Barbara, and I was interviewing in um, Silicon Valley. And my, my first fundraising job was actually at the Tech Museum of Innovation um, in downtown San Jose. What do you think it takes to be a good fundraiser? Because not everyone can do it. Right. You know, it really takes, um, it takes a lot of heart. You have to be passionate about the cause. And I think that's the most important thing. If you're into the arts, you're into the arts. If you're into human services, if you're into animal services, it has to be something you're really passionate about because people can feel that. Um, and it's about relationship building. So you really have to be um, really authentic and care about the people you're working with because it's about matching their passion to your mission and finding the people that are passionate about your mission and matching them to it and finding a way that they can use their um, social capital to make social investments that, that improve our community. Well, let's talk a little bit about the foundation because we are a relatively small community to have our own hospital mm -hmm. and then to have this foundation who literally raises millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And how does that happen? You know, we have a really, um, well, first of all, we have an amazing staff. The team at the Hospital Foundation, so professional, so dedicated, so focused, um, and they they really make it happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And then we have, currently we have 19 board members, and I could not 
have chosen a better board in our it's community. A lot of board members. It's a lot of board. It's a lot of board members, and they're super engaged, and they're totally connected, and they are so gung ho to do whatever needs to be done. And and their expertise is is vast. We have financial experts. We have a, attorneys. We have um, medical experts. So a lot of different. Um, backgrounds. And so they provide a lot of really great advice. And they also have a huge network and reach out into the community and and talk to people and connect and build those relationships. So that's a really important part of what we do. I think the hospital has been here for so long that Mm -hmm. people take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And and don't realize what a gift it really is and how much of what we have comes from the work of the foundation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to feature and highlight because Mm -hmm. where would we be if as much as people can complain about the hospital, mm-hmm. and they do, um, what a gift it is. Exactly. And I love doing hospital tours. So if there's anybody out there and wants a private tour of the hospital, because what we do is we can go around and show some of the services of excellence. But also when I'm doing those tours, it's like, and philanthropy helped do this, and philanthropy helped do that. And really, donor dollars have touched every part of that hospital. That's amazing. And also that it has expanded since mm-hmm. the beginning and has been recently upgraded and remodeled and we have state-of-the-art equipment. And I only know this mostly from your predecessor, mm-hmm. which is my next question. Kimberly Parker yes. was at the helm for quite mm-hmm. a while yeah. and you have stepped into some shoes, ma'am. Yes, big shoes. So what is it like for you? Because you're fairly new to this job, this particular role. Yeah. So um, I've had many roles within the Hospital Foundation over the years. And for about six or seven years, I was associate director. So Kimberly really mentored me. And how lucky am I to have Kimberly Parker as a mentor for all those years? And she really showed me the ropes. Um, she encouraged me to get my certified fundraising executive certificate and she really brought me into the operations to um, you know the financials and and all the things and really set me up for success Um, and the whole staff as well she's one thing that Kimberly is really good at she's a very good at hiring people and building good teams I like to hear that and um, so let's talk a little bit about the foundation because I, I know you give as a Rotarian and you give as a school board, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure, member or trustee. 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 Trustees, yeah. Which, For Nevada City School District. Which also yeah. cannot be an easy task. So uh, your mom, mm-hmm. you're a Rotarian, mm-hmm. you're a trustee, and now you're an executive director. I, I can't even put my arms around how <laughs> tired you must be at some points, but you're young. So we'll give you that. I'm youngish. Um, so, uh, so you do all of these things, but your heart is obviously the work of the foundation. And I think people will be surprised to un- to know how much the foundation does. I used to think the foundation raised money for equipment for the hospital, and then I found out, oh wait, it does this and it does this. So, can you talk about some of those programs? Yeah, and that's actually one of the things I think Kimberly Parker's legacy has left is she really built up a lot of programs and kept a lot of things in our community that maybe would have um, not happened if the foundation hadn't taken it under its wing. Um, We do act as a fiscal agent for a lot of programs, uh, which is how we start. And then a lot of times they become a program of us. But um, for example, CR Harvest was... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but could you explain what that means, fiscal agent, and then they become... 
program? Yeah, so um, a fiscal agency is when we basically just manage the books. We don't manage the program or the people. We are just kind of money in, money out, and making sure that that is happening appropriately before someone gets their 501c3. Um, Like Sierra Harvest is an example. They were Live Healthy Nevada County, and then they got their 501c3. They became Sierra Harvest, and um, they became an independent 501c3, but originally housed financially under the Hospital Foundation. Uh, We're also the fiscal agent for the Nevada County Relief Fund, which a lot of people are aware of. It's supported the river fire. It's supported a lot of things in the pandemic. And really, we just manage the money. We don't make decisions about how it's spent. We just money in, money out. Um, And um, some programs have started under us. The um, Falls Prevention Coalition of Nevada County started under It's I've got a warm place in my heart. In in full disclosure, I am the... uh, False prevention coordinator. <laughs> yeah, but that's how false prevention um, started. They needed a fiscal agency, and then they wanted to do more and expand, and um, it beca- eventually became a full program of the hospital foundation. So we do that false prevention education, and we have um, one thing we do every year is we put on a summit for the community, which is coming up on September 22nd, and um, that is at the Vets Hall in Grass Valley, and it's a free event open to the public and really teaching people, um, you know, how to prevent falls, what to do when you fall, what to do after a fall, um, and balance and how to clean up your house so you don't fall in the first place. Because it's directly related to healthcare. Um, It prevents people from having to be in the ER when they don't need to be. So it's a huge benefit to the hospital because less falls means less impacted ER. Right, right. And... um, one of the things, back to me being a Seroptimist, <laughs> uh, Seroptimist International Grass Valley, I remember the Read Me a Story program yes. under Dr. Sarah Warner's Yeah, she's tutelage. still very involved. So Read Me a Story is great. I love it. Actually, when Jolie was a baby and she would get her first book, she got her first book when she was six months old. And we jokingly called it um, Eat Me a Story because she kept chewing on the end <laughs> of the book. Of but it, uh, we work with the pediatricians like Dr. Warner and Sierra Care Physicians and Chapaday and Western Sierra. And when a family comes in for a well child, checkup between six months and five years, um, they will get a book with some information, age-appropriate book, um, English and Spanish, and it has educational information about why you read to your child, how to read to your child, other books at the library, library programs that you can go and take your child to. Um, And in recent years, because of screen use, we've added um, screen time guidelines to that, you know, um, because that's important. And so that's been a really great program, really uh, widely funded by First Five, by Seroptimus. Um, Tigert Foundation in the past has helped fund that. Um, it's a great program, mostly volunteer run. Jenny Totemeyer, our development director, manages that program. And I just love it. And early childhood literacy is so important to our overall health. I so agree with you. So you really are on both ends of the spectrum because you start with the Read Me a Story program, mm-hmm. but you also have Alzheimer's and outreach. Yeah, the Alzheimer's outreach program is so near and dear to my heart. My uncle had Louis Body's dementia, and I saw kind of how my aunt took care of him and how um, I've seen it with other families, too. It's so taxing to be a family caregiver of anything. Um, but with Alzheimer's and, and related dementias, definitely is super challenging. And we have an amazing um, coordinator, case manager, Judy Kautz, who manages that program. And she works with the caregivers and, and, and helps them go through all the stages of that. And she does crisis phone calls and, and counseling and home visits. And then and Linda Eichelman um, runs our education programs and 
um, empowering caregivers on how to kind of deal with the day-to-day stuff. Like when do you take the keys away and how do you manage the finances and um, and falls prevention works with that too. Right, yeah. right. Uh, my guest right now is Sandra Barrington, Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Executive Director. I'm Holly Grimaldi-Flores. You're listening to The Sages Among Us. And Sandra, as I'm listening to all of these different programs, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what keeps you going? What keeps me going? You know, knowing that people have access to the care they need, knowing that caregivers are getting supported, that individual people are being helped every single day. The start of our mission is we touch and save lives every day. And there's more words than that. And it goes into, you know, we do basically do it through philanthropy and volunteerism and community outreach. But that's really what we do. Well, one of the programs I know you go, um, you have people who will go into people's homes and kind of assess them. And all of these things are at no cost to the person you're serving. Mm -hmm. So it comes back around to how you manage fiscally to make this work. Right. You know, we have really great partnerships in the community. The County of Nevada, Behavioral Health, Public Health, they are huge um, supporters of some of our programs, like the Social Outreach Program um, that helps do depression screenings and works with isolated seniors to keep them connected to resources. Um, I was, you know, Anastasia Knight's our Social Outreach Program person, and she was talking about a client she was working with and trying to help get them some funding so they could get their driver's license back and get their registration so they could go to appointments. And so that they could um, get to their physician appointments and their therapist appointments and really navigating people who have a hard time navigating the system. Right. Because that can be really hard. And once you get to a place in your life where you're really down, you just sometimes it takes that one person to just hold out a hand and say, let me help you. It's so interesting. All of these programs kind of do dovetail each other Mm -hmm. because one does lead to the next that Mm -hmm. does lead to the next like depression with falling Mm -hmm. or um, not being able to get hooked into the system and Mm -hmm. then becoming isolated right and so it's nice how the foundation has although different programs how they all really do serve each other Mm -hmm. yeah they are very connected so I know it's early to ask you because Mm -hmm. although you've been at the foundation for a long time Mm -hmm. you've been in the leadership role for a short time what is the most challenging part um, that's a really good question. I would say right now with the way the healthcare industry is, and um, my background's really in major gift funding, so I want, you know, I would love to see a brand new tower on the hospital and have these big, giant, sexy construction projects to fundraise for. And I think that's kind of a challenge because that's just not the reality of healthcare anymore. And that's changing. Um, and, you know, having um, the the change in healthcare is really around centralizing yourself around the patient and it's not really about the building anymore it's about the people right and how you reach out to those people and sometimes it's about how you keep them out of the hospital and keep people healthy in the community so it's just that that part is changing and we just keep rolling with the with the punches and being fluid and finding the best ways we can to support our hospital and support local healthcare. Well, and you've been in the trenches through all of these last <laughs> two crazy years. And aside from teaching and parenting and parenting, <laughs> teaching as a parent, I can't imagine that the healthcare industry has suffered so hard. Mm-hmm. And how do you see morale and how, what do you do about that? 
Yeah, you know, there are definitely challenges in that. And um, I, I sit on the daily leadership huddles at the hospital. And, you know, patient safety is the number one thing with the hospital. And it's first and foremost. And so I really, I love that vision and that focus of Dr. Neely. And they're constantly going through um, staffing. And if someone's having a challenge with staffing, you know, how do we regroup to be able to um, to make that possible? But I, I would think the morale is actually pretty decent. Um and, um, you know, people are really there to help the patients and that focus and that mission is always there. I think I, the burnout would be really high and I applaud anybody who has chosen that path and has been able mm-hmm. to stick to it. You have a young daughter I do. and she's growing up in this community. Yes. What would you like to see different for her than it is now? Um, you know, I, I would love to see more diversity. I think, you know, um, we, I try to, you know, one of the reasons she's here with me tonight is I thought it would be cool for her to see the radio station and, and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that was from her. That was not a chair. <laughs> and she um, and, you know, I would love to see, um, you know, just more people being invited into this community. And I think the arts and culture here is really great. And I love that we have the opportunity to go to music in the mountains and in concert Sierra and and do those types of things and um, the artwork inside the center and there's art everywhere there's even an art program within the hospital um, so I'd love to see more arts and culture and just bringing some outside things into the community um, I think my soapbox right now I would say which has nothing to do with my job but health is all related to everything um, is affordable housing yes and affordable child care and what those two things mean, mm-hmm. because affordable doesn't even seem to exist anymore. Right, right. You affordable know, for who? For who? Yes. And I could mm. I could go on a soapbox of, you, you can. know. You've got five minutes. <laughs> of minimum wage housing, of workforce housing, um, and bringing our wages up to meet that, you know, and affordable child care. You know, it's really, if you want parents to be out in the community working full time, you know, we need to have more child care. And I think within the Nevada City School District, which I'm a trustee, we've done an amazing job of providing aftercare programs and um, working with uh, organizations like Bright futures for youth to be able to provide summer camp and um, intercession and um, just that thing's great for the children but it's also great for the parents because we can go off and be in the community and be productive members right I think I know I was a single mom for a number of years and having a full-time job which was parenting Mm -hmm. and having a full-time job which was paying for the daycare (laughs) so that I could parent Mm -hmm. um, was just kind of a spin that I could never quite catch up with Mm -hmm. but it's so it's such a weird uh, thing to do now that you can you have to work to pay to care for your child so you can work yeah and you do have to think about like how much does it cost for me to walk out the door I've definitely had those calculations in the past and um, is it is it more is it better to stay at home with your child because you know daycare is going to cost me x getting to work costs me this I have to dress a certain way and you know you do have to think about that and I think it's something as a community that um if we want young families to come move here and be productive here and 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 work in the community, that we have we have to provide that, and um, I think the schools can help do that. But it has to be something that's collaborative and comes from everybody. I would agree with that. So for people who might want to help the hospital, I'm guessing yes. that the need for dollars has not gone away, even though Starry Story Nights did. Uh, we, we are trying hard to bring Starry back. I think that's uh, probably the elephant in every room I walk into these days. Yes, I had to um, say it out loud. So thank you. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, 
But July of 2023, we are working really hard to bring Starry back. We're still looking for um, the right venue to continue to um, keep the integrity of the event and the magicalness of the event. Um, So we really want to bring that event back because it really is incredible. And a little bit of inclusiveness because Mm -hmm. one of the issues with Starry, Starry Mm -hmm. Nights, was that it sold out before people could really get there and right and i know that that is part of the mission is to let more people spend more money yeah on the event and we do have other events we're bringing back um like martinis and a movie we're going to bring that back in the spring and that one's really fun um at the delaro theater we'll show a movie and um, have a couple martinis and have some snacks and um, we'll talk about um, our current projects and what we're doing and um, that's a really fun fundraiser that brings a lot of people together well we only have about a minute and a half but i realize one of the programs we failed to mention was the triathlon. Oh, yes, we do have the Barbara Schmidt-Millar Women's Triathlon coming up on September 18th. That is a really inspiring, amazing triathlon. It's a sprint try. You can go to bsmtry.org. We do also have a 5K attached to that, so you can just come out to Cascade Shores and walk the 5K. Um, You can watch the swimmers jump in the water, and um, you know, it's really inspirational because it helps fund um, mammograms and uh, follow-up procedures for breast cancer care um, free to women who need it, and men because sometimes that happens too. And it is so important for that early detection. And we've had people close to us mm-hmm. who will attest to that. I'm not going to say who, but um, mm-hmm. I, I know that had they not gotten a mammogram, mm-hmm. they would be in a lot more trouble. And the exactly. idea that finances keeps people from getting it mm-hmm. is ludicrous. It's part of the increasing access to care. And sometimes, you know, you have to create programs that help with free health care. You can keep talking. I just had to get the music going. That tells us we're just about out of time. Well, thank you, Holly. And I really appreciate you being here. We really do have a minute left, so we can talk a little bit more about one thing, um, any major project that you have for the foundation that you would like to see people contributing to. Yeah, we have a big push for our residency program, a family practice residency program. We are going to be training postgraduate education medical doctors in our community and we're really excited about that one so you'll start to see a lot more information about the residency program in collaboration with Chapaday and Methodist Hospital and we're really excited to really um, raise a lot of money to keep those doctors in our community after they're done with their training. Which is no easy feat, right? It is not, right. And we all know that access to primary care is very challenging right now so we are moving the needle and changing the landscape in that. Well, we are really excited to have you at the helm of the foundation. It's obviously been left in very good hands. Thank you. And somebody with a lot of energy, although I'm not really sure how she does it all. (laughs) Sandra Barrington, one of those people who is managing to do it. Thank you for being with us tonight. I'm Holly Grimaldi-Flores. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR-FM, Nevada City.